Hello out there. Thank you for dropping in. This week on the Video Games Podcast, we're going to take a look at a few of the bigger stories of the week, including EA Play and Cyberpunk 2077 getting delayed. Now, before I jump into that, if you're a fan of Minecraft or Diablo and are thinking about checking out Minecraft Dungeons, then please check out our 21Q video review. I'll post a link in the description. Please check it out. Also happening this week is the release of the highly anticipated The Last of Us Part 2. Now, being that that game is somewhere around 30 hours, I will try to get a review finished sooner than later, but I also want to enjoy it. So, along the way, I will be posting impressions during my playthroughs and talking about my experiences. It's kind of like a game club, and each play session uh, will be around a few hours or so. The first one will be up soon, so please check the site for that in the near future. I will post a link for that in the description description as well. Now, spoiler-wise, during those impressions, I will be talking about the experiences I had, and there will be spoilers, but I will proceed each edition with an endpoint of where I stop so you know where it's going to end. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into the topics of this week. With the cancellation of E3 came the influx of other conferences like Ubisoft Forward, PS5's Future of Gaming, IGN's Summer of Gaming, and Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, and we can't forget about EA Play. Granted, EA has been part of E3 for years, with EA Play being branded for some years now as it has recently become E3 adjacent. This week, EA held their annual conference with details about the rest of 2020 and beyond from the publisher. There were some expected announcements and some great surprises at the very end, but for the most part, it was pretty conventional for EA. They showed a few smaller titles, including the next one from Joseph Ferris of Brothers and A Way Out called It Takes Two, which looks to be another co-op action-adventure platformer type. They also showed gameplay for the dogfighting game from a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars Squadrons, which is due out in October, and as expected, there was a sizzle reel for the future of EA Sports. Near the end of the presentation, there was also a montage that displayed what a bunch of EA Studios were working on for next gen. A few months ago, it was announced that Criterion was taking over as head studio behind the Need for Speed franchise after a long hiatus from the series with their last release being the well-received Need for Speed Most Wanted. We didn't see much other than a couple of cars, which is usually a great way to display next-gen graphics, but they also displayed how the series is going to take advantage of the SSDs from next-gen and how quickly you'll be able to load into the action. Now, depending on where the studio takes the story for the series, this might be a return to form for Need for Speed. The montage also featured a few small clips from DICE and their next installment in the Battlefield series, and as we know from a late 2019 earnings report, we won't be seeing an entry from that game until fall 2021, which will probably be a good thing for the series that had somewhat lost its way over the years. The clip showed some extremely realistic facial animations alongside some early rendering of lots of people on the actual battlefield. As for what DICE can do to bring the series back to greatness, they will need to do something more than just a lot of people on the battlefield as Call of Duty is already bringing large-scale maps and battles with 150 players on current-gen tech. With the hiatus the series has taken combined with the power of next-gen console, Gamers should expect a lot from this team and this series when it returns. There is a lot of goodwill with the bad company name, and doing a more intimate story focused on a tight-knit group would be great. The facial animations shown in the trailer could really help with the emotional weight of this game. 
One of the big things that fans have been wondering about is what Bioware is doing and why haven't we seen more of it? We know that they are working on Dragon Age 4. We know that they are working on fixing Anthem with the Rebirth, which they are calling Anthem 2.0 or Anthem Next. And according to VentureBeat, one of EA's games that will be released this fiscal year will be the remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy. Now, although the remaster is highly unlikely to be handled by Bioware, they are probably hands full at the moment with fixing Anthem and Dragon Age. It still would have been nice to see, although EA has not confirmed its existence yet, so it's worth taking that with a grain of salt at the moment. And although it looked great, all we saw was a few samples of art from Dragon Age, which left you wanting to see more, but not in a good way. At the Game Awards in 2018, Dragon Age 4 was announced, and while the series is still early in development, it would have been nice to see just a little bit more than art, though this title is not likely to be seen until 2022, at the earliest based on the comments from EA during a financial briefing. In a perfect example of how to close out your presentation with a one more thing type announcement, EA announced the revival of Skate with the next game in the series being in the works. Now everything that's old is new again, as you wonder why EA has decided to revive this dormant franchise. Is it because the skateboard genre seems to be having a renaissance right now, with games like Tony Hawk getting remasters this fall, Skatebird Session and Skater XL all recently or soon to be released? And the other option could be that the constant hounding from some fans might have finally tipped the scales. Every post that EA has made on social media was commented with Skate 4 and it didn't matter what it was. I don't think EA is truly affected by the comments on their social media as the people that manage those accounts likely have many buffers in between the people at the top making the actual decisions that I don't think the message actually made it to its intended destination, but you never know. As for when we might see the game, I would assume 2022 at the earliest as we are currently in the middle of a pandemic which has slowed down gaming development and it also seems like this project is very early on in the stages. Overall, the show was well put together and felt professional considering the circumstances, but then again, this is a company who had a net income of over $3 billion in fiscal year 20. The show did feel a little long with a lot of sizzle reel and not a lot of actual meat and their smaller titles unfortunately just didn't connect with me. On the bright side though, if Skate can be brought back, then I think there is hope for Dead Space in the future. Cyberpunk 2077 seemed like a game that was going to be released on its rescheduled release date in September. There were a few reasons for the fall release date feeling concrete. The first was that in early 2020, CD Projekt Red pushed the title back from its original release date of April 2020, the date Keanu Reeves gave us at E3 2019, to September 17th which is a significant five-month delay. And the other reason is that during one of their last earnings calls, CD Projekt Red explained how well the team had adapted to the pandemic and working from home. During their positive fiscal year report, management talked a little about their upcoming title, as for if the title will be delayed and how it's progressing towards a September release. CEO Adam Kaczynski said since mid-March, we have been working from home while ensuring continuity of all our operations. Our goals haven't changed. First and foremost, we intend to release Cyberpunk 2077 in September. We feel motivated and have the necessary tools at our disposal to meet this goal. The senior VP of business development answered many questions regarding where the company stood with Cyberpunk 2077 after its fiscal year report. And when answering some of the written questions, he noted that the game is in a complete form. He said it's done and it's all bug fixing and polishing. In terms of QA testing, it's about 130 to 150 people working on it right now. 
However, this week, CD Projekt Red co-founder and head of studio posted to their social media news of the delay. Those of you who are familiar with the way that we make games know that we won't ship something when it's not ready. Ready when it's done is just not a phrase that we say because it sounds right. It's something that we live by even when we know we'll take heed for it. At the same time, we are fully aware that making such a decision costs us your trust and trading trust for additional time is one of the hardest decisions a game developer can make. At the time we are writing these words, Cyberpunk 2077 is finished, both content and gameplay-wise. The quests, the cutscenes, the skills, and items, all the adventures Night City has to offer, it's all there. But with such an abundance of content and complex systems interweaving with each other, we need to properly go through everything, balance game mechanics, and fix a lot of bugs. CG Project Red seemed like they would be hitting their target of late September with those earlier sentiments from upper management, but with the delays of Cyberpunk 2077 echoing that of the company's most successful release, The Witcher 3, which was announced for late 2014, then pushed to February 2015, and then finally released in May 2015. The game eventually went on to win many Game of the Year awards from different outlets, which shows just how valuable extra polish can be as game-breaking bugs can turn you from a game of the year into a meme. The delay of Cyberpunk is good news as the extra polish and bug fixing will be worth it. And it will also put the release much closer to the anticipated release of the next generation of consoles from Microsoft and Sony. Whether or not it is a coincidence that the release of the game is much closer to the release of NextGen, there are a few reasons why this should benefit the team. The first is that during their fiscal year report, CD Projekt Red showed a drastic increase in digital sales year on year. And with Sony just unveiling a digital-only PS5 and Microsoft most likely to follow suit, it's clear that digital sales are about to spike even more meaning more money for the developers. The other benefit Cyberpunk 2077 might gain is that as of now, there have been little to no games scheduled for the launch of these shiny new consoles, which means that people will be looking for games to play. That's it for the show this week. If you made it this far and haven't subscribed to the podcast, then please consider doing so. And if you really want to help, then please leave a positive review or rating as that really helps with the rankings, which helps others find it. It's now officially summer, which means that it's hot out and a great reason to stay inside in the cool and play games on top of there being a pandemic. And please remember, be nice to your fellow gamer and more importantly, be nice to your fellow human. 